right, everyone. How's everyone doing? This is the Plot Twist Podcast. Today we have y'all don't even understand how 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 motivating it is to listen to a podcast and then to bring it to life in my own ears and in my own house. Today we have Raina Campbell of the Dreams and Drive Podcast. So she graduated from Princeton University. Shout out to the Ivy Leagues um, in 2013. Hey, hey. <laughs> What's up? In 2013, she graduated from Princeton University where she majored in sociology. As a kid, she was, you know, quite the serial entrepreneur, as she says she she was and she is now. And uh, she's had some stints as a girl band manager, a cookie delivery girl, and a music producer and a business card maker. But anyway, you know, enough about me gassing you up, Raina. Talk to us a little bit about yourself. Um, what's, what's good? Who's Raina Campbell? Oh, that's such a loaded question, but I guess the the base uh, answer to that is I am a storyteller. I love telling stories. I see stories all the time, and I'm finding ways to tell stories of others in my own life. By day, I am a marketer, so I work in marketing. That's like the nine-to-five hustle. I'll but, get uh, that hustle. Night- <laughs> but by night, I have the Dreams and Drive podcast, which is a podcast that I launched in January of right. 2016. And it's all about taking your dreams from park to drive. Um, and yeah, that that kind of stemmed from my fascination with learning how, you know, how people built their brands and how they were able to build their careers and sharing their success stories. Um, After I graduated from Princeton, I kind of thought I would have this like this dream media job because mm. I interned at CBS all four years in college and it didn't happen. I had to kind of create my own opportunity. So the podcast has been like a culmination of all my attempts to kind of build my own brand, make my own name for myself. And I'm, I'm pretty proud of where it has grown to now. I mean, you should be, I mean, look at me, I'm over here in California. That is, you know, across all the States. Um, I'm very, you know, much so on the coast you're on the coast of the you're in the east coast and so you've definitely you know branched out and honestly the best podcasts that i listen to i don't even know how i find them and you're one of those that i just don't know how i found uh, you anymore how did you don't remember i i really want to remember but you know i think it's like so, so this is how i how i am as a person um if i'm if i'm frustrated or if i'm very excited or if i'm you know if something like that happens something big sometimes i forget the details that lead me to where i am and i'm just like, okay i'm mm-hmm. just here you know so in this case i was you know just listening to podcasts i was like on a podcast uh i don't even know the word but i was just looking at all different type of podcasts and this one really stuck out to me and um i think it was it was more so like your voice and the way that you present everything that really brought me in you know you know it's funny a lot of people someone just told me that like I want to say like this weekend they were like your voice is what's really captivating and I'm like my little squeaky baby voice but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's funny because you know it's those things that really make us unique are the things that we sometimes don't even accept about ourselves and when we when we start to accept our gifts like you know me accepting that all right Rainy, a voice is different but it's also something that makes you unique and it makes you know it makes you memorable and also my love for stories and being able to articulate and and guide people through their own telling of their own story is something that I had to accept. So I really do appreciate you saying that because it's something that I'm learning now to really accept that gift of mine, you know? Yeah, I mean, growing up, I, um, I used to watch the, what was it, the... The, the girl that says, dang, mama, you know that show, the the Monique show, is that the one that was? Like, you know, oh, the sitcom? Uh, Miss Parker. Uh, yeah, Parker. the Parkers. 
that's who your voice reminded me of. And I love watching that show because she would always crack me up. And so listening to your show, I would be like, she sounds like her. And, and that was when I was listening to podcasts, I wouldn't even bother to look at their social media sites or if they had anything. I would just listen, you know, I'd just be chilling. But now after I looked at your social media site, I was like, yeah, she doesn't really look like her, but she she still reminds me of her. But uh, but anyway, going into the interview, um, I love how you start your podcast out. You always ask people what inspired you when you were a child. And I feel like let's shed some light on you. Right. What inspired you as a child? Oh, man, everything. Like, I was literally like, you know, what? I want to say books. I was a bookhead. I was just telling someone the other day that I really think I read every single book in the Orange Public Library. Like, I legit used to love going to the library and reading. And there came a point where my mom, like, told me that I couldn't bring home any more picture books. So I had to, like, step my game up and just get chapter books. Mm. And I used to, like, go to the library, take out, like, 9, 10, 12 books at a time, and I devoured them. So I was a really big storyteller. And I think shifting from picture books to chapter books where I had to create how the story looked in my head really, really made me fascinated with just, like, this idea of creating creating your own, uh, I guess your own, I don't want to say, like, your... I just I just became fascinated with stories and like how to create them and what different ways can you tell them. So that was like one of my biggest inspirations was books and just the stories that I would read about. And I read everything. I read from American Girl to like mystery books. And then, you know, I was reading everything as a as No a doubt. I used to. I remember I used to go from those picture books, yeah, like you said, and then I, like, jumped into Harry Potter, so I was, like, you know, getting my little, you know, fantasy and little wizardry stuff going on in my head, Mm -hmm. and I also would read the the Magic Treehouse or something like that, where I I just loved painting pictures in my head and being like, dang, that's my like, little idea of what I could be when I'm in these books, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) But what is it that fuels you? Like, when you get up in the morning, like, Raina Campbell, what brings you to keep producing um I think I've always been somebody who gets like a natural high off of like the possibility of what can happen like you know I just think every day is a new day a new day to create something new um and I'm I'm just always inspired by like that the idea that you can create a new possibility for yourself, right? So, like, if yesterday was a bad day, then today could be a different day depending upon what I choose to do. So I think that's really been my fuel. I think lately my fuel has been creating and and figuring out how far dreams and drive can go. Like, I love getting the feedback that I get on the weekly basis. I love just, like, taking all these ideas that I have in my head, and I have a lot of them. Trust me, Daniel, I have a lot of them. Taking those (laughs) ideas and, like, doing something with it, even if it's just one thing a day that I'm doing, I love, like, being able to act on possibility. Dope, dope. Yeah, 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 for sure. But what about, like, you know, we're both POC, people of color. How is Mm -hmm. it growing up in a Jamaican home for you? Oh, Jesus. (laughs) Um... (laughs) It, like in what sense? Like, like, like the culture, like the atmosphere. Like I walk, okay, I walk into your house, like you know, how how would it be? Maybe it might be different now than it was like when you were in high school or, or growing up. But like, what what would I expect like to feel like when I'm in a Jamaican household? You know what well, I'm saying? 
Mm-hmm. Well, first thing would be you walk into the house, you take off your shoes, right? You don't walk in any Jamaican person's house with your shoes on. So it will definitely be you take off your shoes at the front door. And mm. you, I think the first thing for me is um, closing my eyes. You would smell it first, like depending upon like what my mom might have been cooking. I was thinking that I too. Like Y'all make some banging like, food. Yeah, there's like this certain smell of like, oh, this is a Caribbean house. Um so that's definitely something. Um, I think one of the biggest things was just, like, respect was very big growing up. So, like, you know, you always come in, take off your shoes, you respect the house you're in, you go and greet whoever it is, whether it be your mother, your father. Like, you always are supposed to greet people. You know, if I was to go upstairs and not say hello to my mother or father, they would be like, oh, you know, you live by yourself. Or, you know, it's like things like that. So I mm. think growing up, I was it was very, like, I don't want to say structure, but in a sense, it was structured. Like we had duties, but at the same time, it was really about respect and about, um, <clears throat> like, yeah, I want to say probably respect. A lot of things like my parents always made us made us respect ourselves and also respect them. Like you know, in school, we weren't gonna act crazy because we know we had to come home and report to somebody, right? So, <laughs> yeah. Um. And then also there there was this underlying sense of expectation. Right. So, like, my parents, I always tell my mom, like, you guys lucked out. Like, you had good kids. My parents don't appreciate how good of kids we were, me and my sister. Um, oh, it's only like, two of y'all. Yeah, well, I have an older sister, but uh, she lived with her mom. It was my dad. My dad has three daughters, and my mom has two daughters. Okay. So, um... So basically, I'm like y'all don't y'all don't uh, appreciate that we were good kids. Like you know, we didn't get into trouble at school. We did our schoolwork. We were really good at academics, but there was always this underlying expectation to excel. So I think that was something like my parents never outright pressured me to make sure I did it, did well in school, but I just always wanted to like kind of be the best. Right. You know, like I always wanted to do well. Like I was a kid who I would cry if I got like a B, you know, so I So was, it's like the expectation of like not the expectation, but like the the feeling of letting your parents down was more so weighing on your shoulders um than maybe somebody else that didn't grow up in the same household as you. Yeah, but it's weird because my parents never really like I think they never they never like said we want you to be the best, right? But right. I just had this inner desire to, you know, want to please and want to them them to be proud of me. Mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, well what I can say that probably compares to my household is is definitely well the greeting thing, yeah, for sure. Unless nobody's home, of course. But um, like if I go to a party or to a, to a like little get together or whatever, I feel like all my ancestors is on my shoulders. Like, yo, you better say hi to this person, this person, this person, and you better say goodbye to this person, this person, this person. And when somebody invites me to somebody's house, growing up Latino, I, I feel like, um, I feel like I have to bring something to their house. You know what I'm saying? Like, oh, you're bringing, mm-hmm. you're inviting me over to dinner. Okay, I'll bring some cookies. Oh, I'll bring a drink. I'll bring this. I'll bring that. Cause I just feel so bad. Like I feel like. I'm letting down my family, just like what you were saying earlier, you know? Yeah, I, mm-hmm. I definitely can. Yeah, and, and but growing up, like, as a person of color um, and a Jamaican home, like, what do you, what does your family think about the podcast? What does your family think about the dream that you have? Like, is it far-fetched for them? 
Um, my immediate family, I feel like I feel like my family is very proud of what I've been able to accomplish. So they always kind of used to call me like little Oprah. They always knew that I was they always called me dramatic and I, I talked I talked a lot. So they mm. I think I think for them it's like they're proud of seeing how I've been able to do this and kind of been able to hustle and like basically do it by myself. You know, it's not like I have that much outside like team doing it. I've kind of had to figure everything out along the way. Yeah. Um, I still think they're a little bit skeptical about like, you know, how are you going to make money from this long term? But I know, especially my mom and dad, they're proud of me because they know that this is something that I love to do. And they know that even as a kid, I had the makings of somebody who would have a platform like this in some way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was um, looking at your website earlier, and so you were saying that you've been doing stuff like, um, you know, um, Cookie Deliverer and a girl band director. And listen to your podcast. I noticed that, like, you do bring those things up um, a few other times. I mean, I can relate to that as well, because in middle school, I was, I've, I've always been a natural-born hustler. You know what I'm saying? Like, I feel like whoever mm-hmm. is a hustler at our age and doing something and trying to do something has it's it's not your first round about doing it you know what i mean mm-hmm. yeah so like in middle school like <laughs> I, w- I was just analyzing my life real quick before this i was like yeah like okay cookie deliverer okay since she was like you know a little kid doing like um serial like you said you were a serial entrepreneur in middle school look i had i had a vision for for myself since i was young like in sixth grade i would um i had i had seen this bike at the at the store right and I wanted it. And, you know, growing up um, in a single parent household, you know, money was, you know, we didn't have that disposable income that a lot of people have. Right. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, OK, like I want the bike, but how am I going to get it? So I was like, I'm going to just, you know, sell candy. Everybody wants candy at school. We don't have Mexican candy at the store because, you know, out here there's a lot of Mexicans. And so I'm going to, you know, get candy and I'm going to just slang candy and snacks like in and out of the period so like when i would be like going to my locker people would be like hey do you have this candy or so that that so-and-so has i'd be like yeah mm-hmm. which one how many do you want so like i would be selling selling things like on the low i almost got caught a couple times which wasn't very good but you know i did what i needed to do and i at the end of the day i bought my bike um it was those ones with the with the pegs in the back so you could have your friend riding behind you those were the oh, yeah. ones yeah those were <laughs> we so had those in. in jersey too <laughs> yeah those are so in. oh yeah for everybody listening she's out there in jersey um, but, uh, but yeah, yeah, yeah. So we, we just have it in us that that's, um, basically what, what I was trying to say about that. But if, if you could go back to when you started podcasting, what would you do differently if there's, you know, anything at all? Hmm. I feel like that's so long ago now. Yeah. I was listening to episode one last night and did? yes, I, I was listening to episode one last night. <laughs> Do you hear the difference? Raina, Raina, <laughs> come on. Yes, I hear the difference. You were What what would be the difference for you? The Maybe difference you could, for me. Like being somebody that likes the show now and you know, you may not have started listening from the beginning, but like what what's the thing you hear? And I'll tell you what I would do differently. Okay, cool, cool, cool. Go back and forth. So um uh, what I see that you've done well before you were you're 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 still bubbly, but you were like more like like, oh well like it was kind of like testing, like a trial trial and error type of thing. Like, mm-hmm. I felt like that was, like, your vibe, which was cool because that's kind of how I started, too, right? Um, but I feel like that was kind of that was kind of interesting to see. And um, it was 
it was just seeing that you had a vision that was so much bigger than where you were at the moment. So it was like, well, if it works out, it works out. If not, and then your friend, whoever, I forgot what his name was. You guys David. were just, yeah, David. I was like, damn, he's a real one. But, um, he, he was just like, I want to see this blow up and y'all spoke it into existence. That's the awesome thing about it. So I just feel like it was like very amateur and very like, very I don't know if the word is grassroots, but that's kind of what it was. It's just kind of like on the low, like, okay, let's test it out. Yeah, that was supposed to be a test episode. And I was like, you know what? I'm just going to put it up as my first episode. So I think one of the big things I would have done, like, I'm very, like, I'm not a perfectionist, right? Mm. I'm not like a, if, if it's all right, I'll put it up. Like, I'm not somebody that, like, slaved over something until it's 100% perfect. But there are some things that maybe I would have, like, taken a little bit longer to, like, just sketch out how I wanted the, like, the show to feel like. Um, but it's, it's hard for me to answer that, like, completely because I think sometimes, like, you have to go through the not bad but the beginning stages in order to actually grow but one of the things that I was not doing early on was I was not on social media as much like I want to say for the first year or so or like first few months I wasn't on Twitter I wasn't really posting on Instagram um I was really just marketing to my email list so I wasn't really doing a lot of like out there marketing per se right. but in the beginning I tell people all the time like if you're an independent podcaster, you really have to focus on building relationships, branding, marketing, like that has to be the core of what you do. And your content is like, maybe that the, your content is the least thing that you should worry about. So I would have probably tried to do a little bit more actual social connecting and talking to listeners and doing all that stuff in the beginning. But you know, I'm proud of, I'm proud of how I'm starting and I'm, and I'm happy that I was willing to learn along the way. So, I mean, as a one woman show, you know, um, basically you, you built your empire and it's still growing. That's what I'm saying is like, it's just so dope that you have over a hundred and what, over a hundred and 50 episodes? Um, well, I don't know when this is going to come out, but as of today, I have 148 episodes. But in the in the arsenal, because I have a lot that aren't released yet, yeah, over 150 episodes. Dang, yeah. Like, you've just come such a long way. And, and what you were saying in one of your episodes was so, so key for me, because sometimes I'm just like, man, well, this episode was so dope to me, but nobody listened to it, you know? And I'm just mm -hmm. like... Like womp womp womp, like you know, kicking kicking rocks kind of thing. But then you 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 just say something. You have to look at the long run. You can't just be focused on right now because right now your dream is like a seed, and it just is trying to grow. And all you can do is just give it water, sunshine, and you know, let it do its thing. So your job at the bowling alley, right? You remember that episode? Mm-hmm. So that really taught me something about you know how you can really learn from anything. And if you could share with us, um. What did Raina Campbell at that age in her life think of her life ahead? Oh, man. Bowling alley, hustling. For I, real. You know what? I really was just like, I realized at that point that I was somebody who, like, I could figure it out. That was always, the, you know, that, that summer I needed a job and I figured out, you know what, I'm going to find a job. And, like, I always had this idea, like, if I put it in my head that I want it, it's going to happen in some mm. way. I, I guess I was, like, manifesting things. I didn't really realize that I was manifesting. Um, you said, what did I want at that point in my life? What was the no, question? No, no. Um, the question is what, okay, if you could share with us what did Raina Campbell at that age think of her life ahead? 
Oh, okay. So I was like junior year. Oh, man. It's funny because I remember the people that I worked with, they were like maybe like 22, 23. And I thought they were so old, right? I was like, <laughs> oh, my God, they're so old. I'm only like 17. Huh. You know, I was excited. I think I was excited to like graduate from college and kind of start the next stage of life because I thought that there would be this vast difference in mm-hmm. how I felt and like what my life would be like in actuality, you know, you know how it is. Like 22 is not even that old. No, (laughs) I want to be 22. (laughs) Right. So it's like, I think I had this naive optimism and that's something that I think has carried over to me in a lot of ways. Um, this belief, like I said this, I said this in the beginning, like I I always had this belief that no, but maybe things will work out, but maybe this can be true. So that's kind of how I approach things. Like I used to like, I remember I wasn't supposed to like work extra hours. I would always like trick my boss into letting me stay the nights when they, when the bowling leagues came in. Like I always told myself, no, he'll listen to me, right? He'll let me stay. And he always did. So there was this like naive optimism fueled by luck, I guess. Right. That just kept me going. But I thought of the world as being like something I was excited to finally get to do as an adult. Because, you know, 17, you still got to go home. You still have curfew and all that stuff. So I was just like very eager to see how I would turn out, if that makes any sense. So if if I could like put it in, in words, like you were just kind of like hopeful for the future. Yeah, I was. That that's what's up. And recently, like um, recently, like in in this year, two thousand eighteen, which is you know flying pot flying right by us. Um, do you do you feel like you are like putting together? Dang, how do I even word? Like you know, you know when you have something in your head and you want to bring it out, but you don't know how. Mm-hmm. How take would... your time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Like, do you feel like you are fulfilled right now? Like, are you full to the brim or do you feel like there's like some things missing and you're trying to figure out what it might be? Yes and no. So I definitely am happy with what I'm doing, but sometimes I feel like, and this is something that I've talked about, like with people like in my inner circle, is sometimes I feel like I'm not pushing myself as hard as I could, right? Right. Like, I feel like I'm playing small, although to other people, they might be like, oh, you've done so much or you're doing so much. I still kind of feel like I know that if I put my mind to it, I could accomplish a lot more than I'm doing. But part of me is fearful of success. Part of me is fearful of like, what would my life look like? Although I'm very optimistic that my life would be great. It's also like, but what would I leave behind? Or like, how would my life change? And is this really what I want? So sometimes I find myself doubting, like what would happen if this thing really picks up? Like, you know, it, it might seem crazy, but I definitely think fear of success. I was talking about that on one of my previous episodes. Right. It's real. It's very real. And it's something that I have to push myself to not play small because I'm scared of what could happen if things got big. Right. And, and how do you think, obviously it, it kind of is, um, it's like a puzzle. You put things together slowly but surely. Then you see the big picture. But how do you think you can get over the fear of success um, like in a daily type of thing for, for everyone listening? Because um, when we get into our segments, I'll, I'll kind of go in a little bit deeper to some of these things. But how do you think we can get over that? 
I think the biggest thing is you have to acknowledge that that's how you're feeling right now and then tell yourself, but you're not going to feel like that forever, right? So one Mm -hmm. of the biggest things that I do is I feel it. Like, you know, it's the saying, you know, feel the fear and do it anyway. So for me, it's like, all right, if I keep doing these episodes, somebody big might come on one day, but that's not going to stop me from doing the episodes, right? It's like doing it and, like, what do they say? Worry or worry is is I forgot what the saying is. It's basically like when you're you're imagining things that you don't want to happen, right? Mm. It's not real. Realizing that all these fears that have not actually happened, but you're imagining it, that's all it is, is you're imagining it. Right. So if you actually shift that energy and focus on the things that you're doing today and the 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 actions that you want to happen, right? Mm. That's what's going to propel you forward. So for me, it's like, you got to acknowledge it. Number one, a lot of us are running from what we're actually feeling and you can't run from what's inside of you. So acknowledge that's how you're feeling and then say, all right, but I'm still going to do it anyway, because my goal, my dream is bigger than this fear that is like stopping me right now. Dang. Okay. I'm, you know, obviously this is on record. I'm, you know, I'm just going to ingrain, I'm going to tattoo that into my memory, but, (laughs) (laughs) but, um, yeah, that was, that was a lot. Um, you know, dang, I'm such an airhead right now. Like I literally forgot what I was going to say, but I feel like the same way I feel it's coming back to me. Um, Mm -hmm. you know, I feel like when, when I like think deeply on the podcast and when I think deeply on, on other ideas, cause you know, the podcast isn't my only, you know, goal in life. Um, I just like, this is just a game. This is just, you know, mm-hmm. a hobby. This is, this isn't real life, you know? I, um, and, and when, when I, when I talk to myself and when I like, um, not get down on myself, but when I, um, in Spanish is cuando te regañas, when you, um, when you correct yourself, I mm-hmm. um I talk to myself in my last name. So I, I say Coronado. I'm like, I'm like, Coronado, this is big. Like you can be big and you can do something. And then I start thinking about it. I'm like, I'm like, nah, it's just a game, you know? And when I have mm-hmm. time when I have to explain things to people or when I give my little elevator pitch on what the plot to his podcast is, I'm like, dude, this sounds so foolish. And I just have to, like you said, acknowledge it and realize, no, you are building an empire that you don't see right now. And one day you'll understand. Yep, I always say that to people. You never know who's looking up to you. And mm-hmm. sometimes you'll never know. Like, you never know, and sometimes you'll never know. And sometimes it's not meant for you to know. But you have to know that somebody out there is being inspired by what you're doing. Mm-hmm. And that should be motivation to help keep you going. Because there's going to be times when you don't get feedback. But you right. have to have that faith that it's out there and it's touching somebody. Exactly. So, would you consider yourself an introvert or an extrovert, considering that you have a podcast and all? Um, it's funny because like when I do personality tests, I like test as an extrovert, but I sometimes feel like I'm more of an introvert. Like I'm a introverted extrovert. Like I can kind of ambervert, like both. Yeah, yeah. Like you bounce back and forth. I can be both. I think I work well. I work best. Like when I'm by myself, um, right, like I can hunker, I can hunker down and do things. But I do like feeding off of other people's creative energy. But when it comes down to getting things done, I don't need other people to like fuel the the to do list, right? Like I can kind of just like knock things out. But at the same time, it's like I like being part of the team. But at the same time, I like being the team by myself or like leading the team and being able to retreat. Mm. So I like being flexible between the both. Same. Like when I'm working with, with a group of people, like 
I, I don't like feeling like I have to compete to get my voice out and to get my ideas out. That's why I'd rather work on my own. And if I'm passionate about something, that's when I really get the work done. But if I'm like, eh, I don't really care about this. I'm really not. I'm going to half-ass it. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But um, but anyway, I want I want to move into one of the last questions of the interview um, portion of the of this. Um, so this is what I ask all my guests uh, on the podcast. What is your plot twist in life? Tell us what is the shift and change that has brought to brought you to where you are today. Hmm. The change. You know what? It's it's funny because the change for me was I I was tired of not being committed and not being consistent. So before the podcast, I had a blog. I was freelance writing. You know, I was doing all these things, but I wasn't showing up for it all the time. Like, you know, I would take months off from freelance writing. I would not be consistent with my other series I had called Brand Makers. And I just said, you know what? If I really want growth, they say that you have to show up every week and you have to be committed to the vision. And so I just said, this podcast, Dreams and Drive, I am going to show up for it. And I want to see what happens when I show up for myself. And it's been two, two and a half years of me showing up every yeah. week. And look, look, look what's happening. So it really is true. Like, if you are truly committed to something and if you dedicate yourself to it, you will see the results. It will not be easy. It will not be, you know, won't happen overnight. But you have to have this underlying faith that if you continue to keep going, something's going to pop off, you know? Dang. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's blind. You know, you're just kind of blinded and you have to be um, following what you what, what drives you. Kind of like when you do. Um, I don't know if you've ever been. Um, well, I did it when I went camping, but. Um, with a group of people we do like uh it was like a church group and we went and we had to blindfold ourselves and grab each other's shoulders and trust that the person leading us who can see obviously is leading mm-hmm. us in the right direction and you know um, it's a fun experience you learn about yourself you're like no I'm not gonna do that but you kind of have to because or else where are you gonna go yeah yeah so so I, I definitely think it's it's one of those things um but but yeah, for sure. One other question that just popped into my head. Do you feel like going to such, you know, um, a high, a prestigious university has um, made you feel like I can do this so I can do a lot of other things? No, I don't think going to Princeton made me have that um have that it's funny because like I I always tell this story and it might sound crazy but I remember when I visited Princeton for the first time and I like did this bus tour of the campus and I'm like I'm gonna go here I had this belief that I was gonna go there and like I ended up going there um and it's just like I feel like it's not the university that made me believe that I can do things because I think like I earned it like I knew I was qualified I knew I had the I knew I was there for a reason right Mm. um I think it's just like everybody has like a natural innate talent, a natural gift. And I think that we're all blessed with that gift. And when we accept it, we know that it's what's going to help us get to get to where we're supposed to be. So there's something about me, Raina, that I have to accept is special and unique. And if I believe in myself, I think that belief in yourself has to be strong. Like nobody should believe in you more than you believe in yourself. And sometimes it's going to take a long time to get to that point where you have this unshakable belief in yourself but working on that and building that that's what I think is that strength because that's what's going to get you through the times when you know things aren't going going the way you want it to Mm -hmm. so that's it I guess that's what you I guess that's how some people would describe faith right like having this 
this belief that although you cannot see, you know that things will work out. Exactly. Like I always tell myself, everything will be okay. It's going to work out. It's going to work out. Like I don't stress the small stuff with the podcast. Like I just tell myself, you know what? This opportunity didn't come through. Something else is going to come my way. And, you know, in some way it always does. It always works out. And if it doesn't seem like it's working out, like you just kind of got to make the lane for yourself and make it kind of work out for you. Um, And, you know, got to take your own shifts and stuff and just, you know, paint the picture for yourself. That's how I see it. Yeah, and don't compare yourself because I think sometimes you can get caught up in how someone else's story looks. And listen, everyone's story is different. So if I took the time and compared myself to people who launch podcasts after mine and might have more success, and I say that in quotes, I would I would be taking away energy from me growing my audience and my journey. So you can take note of what other people are doing, but you don't want to use that as a way to downplay anything that you're building or growing. Right, right, right. I definitely agree. Um, before we get into the segments, I swear I keep saying that we're going to get in there, but I feel like this conversation is, is so good. Um, mm-hmm. So you met the Black Panther. You met Chadwick Boseman. And <laughs> that... Seriously, that really sparked me. I was like, hold up. I know her. And <laughs> she just put the Black Panther. How how was that? How has that shaped your career? Uh, well, it was, first of all, it was dope. It was such a crazy opportunity that I'm happy I said yes to because I wasn't going to say yes right. to it, first of all. So I'm happy I said yes to it. Um, It was dope. It was short, but it was really dope. And I think the aftermath, just getting all that press and getting so many people noticing me and, you know, saying congratulations and just seeing, you know, that I was like one of the people who got to meet him. That was pretty dope. How has it shaped my career? I mean, I don't really think it's shaped my career. I think it's just now been like a point on my resume that I can kind of say, oh, I've done this. Um, I think, though, that it's a testimony to you have to put show people what you're out here doing. Because if I never had, you know, put out into the world that I'm doing interviews and I was interviewing one of the Dora Milaje from the film. No, you sure my did. Friend, my friend who worked at The Tonight Show would have never had me top of mind when she was looking for guests to cast for that segment. So it's all about you got to put it out there in the world in order for people to know. People can't read your mind. Um, so share what you're doing. Share your dream with other people because you never know how the universe will work out and it'll all come back to you. And honestly, that's exactly how my interview for tomorrow came about. Um, you know me, just, you know, posting, trying to just follow my dream and, you know, putting it in drive, as you say. I just post all the time. I'm just like, hey, this is what's going on with the podcast. And I just tell people when my new episodes are out. Little did I know that there was um, there was somebody that I follow on Instagram that was listening to one of my episodes. And he's like, hey, like one of my friends who's on another who was a guest on um, the Latinos Out Loud podcast. um, He said, hey, he fits kind of like what you're doing. Do you think he Mm -hmm. could be on your show? And he just DM me like that. So it like fell in my lap and that was somebody and I and I listened to his story and I was like, you know what, that's such a dope story and that's such a dope individual. Eventually I'll get around to it and I will contact him. But it fell into my lap. I didn't do anything about it, you know? So it's just explaining to people or just putting it out there that this is what you do and eventually it's going to work out. Yep, it will. Mm-hmm. So um, so anyway, we're going to move into, into the segments real quick. Um, yeah. 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 
We're going to start with Dímelo Daniel, which in Spanish, it means, tell me, Daniel. So <laughs> dime, <what's>... dime. <laughs> I mean, you know, you know, you're out there in the East Coast. Yo, Oh, okay. Daniel, okay. Entonces, dímelo, Reina, dímelo. Okay. Obviously, you know, Reina means queen in Spanish, right? Sí, pero uh, the way that my mom spelled it, it's frog. If you're reading it, like la rana, like, you know, R-A-N-A is frog. But, you know, it means queen if you say it that way. Of course. <laughs> Double meaning, right? Yes. We like the queen one, obviously. But anyway, so into Dímelo Daniel. Um, we are going to be talking a little bit about... Um, I wanted to bring up the story that I found on Remezcla.com. So this mm-hmm. boy, he took his, his mom um, to, to senior prom because he had she had him while she was a senior, so she couldn't go to prom. What, how do you think about that? You read a little bit about it. Um, You know what? I like the whole paying homage to your mom. Um, and I definitely get it. You know, your mom didn't go to her prom, but I kind of, I feel like it makes the experience weird for the rest of your classmates, right? Like, it's like, I like that he respects his mom. He wants to pay tribute to her, but I don't know if I would ever take my mom to prom. I just think it's not, it's also about the experience of your other classmates, right? And now it's like, well, they, well, they feel like they have to act a certain way because someone's mom is there. Right. Um, it's like a chaperone. My only, I, I read another, another story about that, like on, on like the East coast with that happening. And I, I saw like that one it, too. But at the same time, I just, I don't know. I get a little side eye about the mom who would like accept it. I just think that maybe there could have been a different way that you would do it or, I don't know. I've never been in that situation, but I think as a mom, if it, as a mom, if I were a mom, I may have just said thank you, son, but enjoy this time. Like you know, it's not. I don't know. It's not about me. It's more about you. I don't want you to feel like you know. Yeah, I, I would definitely say like you know I appreciate it. I, you know, even if he took her to her like we call it a uh, send off or I forgot what they call it. Like before they like when they all come into the high school and they show off the outfits for everyone or whatever. Oh, we like, never did that. Oh really? Yeah, they have this thing that that's what they do. I forgot what they call it. Um, but anyway, so like you need to come and show your <laughs> outfits, and then you go to the whatever the prom is. Right. But I, if I was a mom, I probably would have been like, "Son, just go to the prom, have your prom experience." Because now he's gonna miss out on like having the date that he took to the prom. Well, his daughter or son one day, but hey, I want to take you dad to the prom because right. you didn't get to take a date. You took your mom, so it's for it's me. It's like parent think, prom now. Yeah, yeah. For me, it's just like I think that the prom is for children and their dates. And I just think having your mom at a prom just makes it a little bit different and not really what it's intended to be. Like, how are so you going to dance, you know? Yeah, you're going to dance with your mom. You're going to look crazy. I mean, you could, you could dance with your mom, but you know when you're at prom, you want to get down or whatever. Right. Like, you want to get down with the get down. Yeah. No, I, I totally feel it. Like, and, and then I was just reading about it and I was like, um... I was just looking at his Twitter and all that, like the the post, and he was like, he was like, Ellen, put me on your show. Everybody shared this, and I was like, okay, is this your motive behind it to get on the Ellen show? Is yeah. this what you're trying to do? Because if that's the case, don't take your mom to prom, um, and don't do any of this. Make it be genuine, you know, like let us feel like this is what you really want to do. But at the same time, I would feel really weird because um, <laughs> when I was in when I was in high school, I was, I used to host, uh, parties and events for, um, high school students as well at the youth center. Mm -hmm. And so 
we planned them or whatever. But in the midst of all that, I got invited to a breast cancer awareness party where it was like it was cracking. You give five dollars for entrance and that's all donated to to, um, you know, the breast cancer awareness fund or whatever, whatever. But um, so that was obviously strictly, you know, kids our age. But it was getting to that time where, you know, my mom and my and my friend's mom um, really wanted us to get home. And we weren't obviously coming out to get picked up because we were dancing. Mm -hmm. But my mom, being the, you know, the bold Mexican woman that she is, yo, (laughs) she she made her way into the dance past everybody. She's like, I need to go get my son. Everybody was, you know, twerking, getting all freaky. And, you know, it was hot and steamy. And she found me and my friends in there and. Um, thankfully I was like walking to, I don't know, the bathroom or something, but it was like that perfect time. She's like, Hey, you let's go. And I was like, "Uh Oh, and I was like 15 <laughs> or 16. And so I'm like, I'm like, yeah, um, a parent at prom that just definitely just does not sound right to me. Yeah. Mm-mm. But, um, but moving forward, like we have the stories of the, the Starbucks stories. So we have the one in Pennsylvania and we have the one in, um, in LA as well. So, these have, you know, blown up so much and it really, you know, I'm almost numb to the fact that black people and brown people, but, you know, black people um, mainly have been, you know, always getting the short end of the stick and always getting treated wrong. And it really pisses me off because it's always these big name things like H&M and the whole like jungle, um, jungle shirt or whatever then we have you know the starbucks situation it pisses me off because these are big people that everybody kind of feels like i need to go to starbucks i need to do this i need to do that it's so hard to boycott these things you know how do you feel Mm -hmm. about 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 the situation that happened at at the pennsylvania one um at like the boycotting of it or just overall like the the story that happened and then the boycotting of it i just think that like it's ridiculous right it's ridiculous how how you can not be doing anything and then it becomes something in which you're arrested. And it's, it's for me, it saddens me, right? Because I feel like unless you've ever been in that situation, you don't know how it feels. You may go into, you know, I may be going to just like sit down somewhere. I I did not go there expecting I would get, I would get arrested. You know, I feel it sheds light on, how much disrespect there is towards men of color. I think especially for men, I think this would be a little bit different as a woman, but I definitely think to be a a male, a person of color who's a male in America, you're always a target, Mm. even if you're not doing anything. And for me, it's it's really saddening because I think about, you know, being someone, being a mother of a man of color or, or being the girlfriend of a man of color, like you constantly have to fear for your life basically when you're in public public in public um in public spaces and i was just talking about this with with one of my friends earlier today for me it sheds the light on what do these type of experiences have on the psyche of those involved mm. to always feel like you're a target that's what i really see as this type of situation you go to starbucks waiting for your friends or whatever and it turns into a whole big thing. Now your face is plastered across the news. Now you're part of like, which is a very noble cause of them speaking out about it. But think about how them as men must have felt in that moment where you telling, we're just, we're not doing anything wrong. Right. But your word not being enough. You being arrested. You know, it's just like, there's, there's not that much I could say. Like it's, it's it's overwhelming. It's, It's so overwhelming to talk about. 
And it, it just sucks because it's like, okay, like, can couldn't we have left all of this in 2010, in 2011? We're in 2018. Why does it still happen? We're at a coffee shop. And when I say we, I say we because I identify as a person of color, so we're all in this together. I don't care if I'm if I'm a lighter shade of brown or what have you, you know. We're just, you know, doing our everyday thing. And the thing that pisses me off is that I've gone to countless Starbucks in the city or like where I live at right here. And you see all kinds of people chilling outside. You see like all kinds of like homeless people sometimes like chilling inside. And I'm like, okay, but um, wh wh where's the equality here? You feel threatened because there's just somebody that's a black person inside of your Starbucks. You think they're going to do something? No. And you're in Philly. Come on yeah. now. Like you're in Philly. What was happening? It's not like Philly is not a diverse town. So it just goes to show you that there's a fear of black men. There's a fear of brown men that obviously it's not going away right obviously there's there's it, it goes i think the whole situation shows me that maybe things really aren't changing as quickly as we think they are exactly and um i i don't mean to compare this at all like that this is any you know thing anything equal but um but i have a dog and everybody knows that i have a dog i have a pit bull and um everybody gives her a bad rep like they see us walking down the street and they move to the other side of the street they hold their kids back and i'm like look you guys you guys have had your reputation of this dog tainted you know mm -hmm. everybody every race has done something you know, wrong to make them feel, to make somebody feel some type of way about them. You know, we got all these shootings and, and all these things happening, but what happens to white people? Everybody feels completely comfortable around them, you know? Mm -hmm. Oh, it's just a white person, like, whatever, whatever. Like, little do you know, they're all these people that's shooting up in schools and in, you know, Waffle House and all these type of things, they're all, you know, white. And I just, I just don't get why color is just such an issue today. Um, and now Starbucks is trying to have, you know, the day where they teach, where they do racial bias training to all their employees. Like, all right, that's not really going to, is that really going to help? Right. It's but like, they got to do something for public face, right? They got to save the face. So mm -hmm. they got to keep their, they got to keep their brand up there. They got to keep, you know, people coming back like, oh, it's okay. They did that. Whatever, whatever. Mm -hmm. But, um, but now we're going to be moving into the stat chat. Where we talk a little bit about the the stats that um that I get from my Instagram poll. So if anybody listening to this is not tuning into uh, my Snapchat stories, I do these on Tuesdays. It's called Poll Tuesday, where you guys just basically have an option to pick from one or the other, and I just kind of talk about it now. So here we have um a couple of them that I you know shape for this interview. Are you more of a dreamer or a realist was one of the questions. And 63% of my voters said a realist and 37% said that they're dreamers. Although I did have quite a few responses and people were like, well, you know, I don't know if this is a really fair question because I'm a dreamer, but I also put my things into reality. whoop de whoop de whoop And I'm just like, mm -hmm. oh, valid, you know, that's perfectly fine. Um, but how do you feel about that? That 63% of people are real realists, that they don't really think about their dreams. I think that it just goes to show you where, like, in this type of society that we live in, where a lot of people, like, you don't have time. Like, you, it's sometimes it's not, it's not, 
it's not practical to be a dreamer, right? Like, think about back in the day, our parents might have had more stable jobs. Now we, as millennials, we could go to a four-year institution and right. still work in minimum wage. So it's like, no, i got to be a realist now because I can't afford to be a dreamer. That's how I kind of see that stat, is a lot of people are still hustling. A lot of people might even still be struggling. So to them, being a dreamer... It's stressful, right? Being a realist helps you get through the day-to-day. In order to be a dreamer, you have to have a faith that things will work out. And it's for some people, it might just not be practical. And it might not be their reality right now where they even have are in a position. Because I think that being a dreamer can be a privilege in a lot of ways. Right. I mean... It can... Like, being a dreamer and being able to act on those dreams is a privilege in a sense, especially... If you if you have the means to be able to do so, because there are just some situations where you got to pay a bill, you got to find a job, you know what I mean? And Mm -hmm. you got to You got to work the job that is not that's paying the bills versus the one that, you know, you really want. So I I definitely agree with I definitely can understand that. And and I think the thing is, um, everybody has a different work ethic. So when it comes down to your dreams what is your work ethic to get that done? You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So there's also that. Um, the next question is, do you tend to run from your fears or chase and conquer them? 54% of them said that they choose to conquer them and 36% said run. So what do you think about that? 54% people actually want to overcome what they don't like to do. Well, that makes sense. I think that... That makes a lot of sense. I think I'm like more of that, like I'm a go up to it, dip my foot in the water a little bit, test it out. <laughs> like I, I like, I'll acknowledge the fear, but it kind of takes me a while to like do the jump. Right. I like to test. I like to plan. I like to come up with contingency backup plans. But I think innately, all of us kind of want to be able to just go and conquer it. So when we think about it, in our head, we tell ourselves, yeah, I'm going to conquer it. But in actuality, what do we do? So that's that's where I see it. I think all of us inside of us want to conquer fears. Like No one says, hey, I just want to live with this fear forever, right? Mm. Most people don't think like that. So I definitely, um, I, I, I could see how that stat plays out. Right. What what was one of your fears that you've been able to accomplish over, you know, the course of the last 12 months from now? Um, I think one of my fears was like charging people and creating products. Um, like, you know, for a long time I've had this like hang up or, oh my God, if I do consultations, will anybody buy from me? Or, oh my God, if I create a digital product, will anybody buy from me? So like really telling myself that you're creating this reality that's not even true. People want to be able to book consultations with you. People want to be able to buy your products. And if Mm. you put them up there, people will do it. It took me a long time, Daniel, a long, long time to do it. And, you know, the end of last year is when I started selling merchandise, when I started doing consultations, and I got people. And it showed me You got me. Yeah, like I waited (laughs) so long, right? I waited so long because I told myself this falsehood about what my reality was going to look like. And it was totally opposite than what I had imagined. So as a creative, sometimes I can imagine all types of situations. I need to start, you know, imagining the positive situation instead of the negative ones. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I was honestly wearing the Dreams and Drive crew neck that i had on right now but i was getting too hot because before Uh, i do (laughs) before i do interviews i get so hot because you know everything's rushing through me yeah i mean even though you're a very approachable person and even though like i've obviously always see your stories and all that 
I still get like, you know, the juice flowing real quick through my whole body. And I'm just like, uh uh, this is uh, this is a little much. But mm-hmm. I just want to move to the next one and the last one. Um, um, and I think you would probably enjoy this one. If you could cuddle up with T'Challa or Killmonger, who would it be? And considering you met mm-hmm. T'Challa, <laughs> considering you met T'Challa, I was like, this has to be talked about. Let me tell you. Tell I think us. For the, I think for the night, I would try to have them both. You know, oh. like, all right, let me roll over this side. <laughs> Y'all cousins, come on. We all cuddle together. <laughs> Not the cousins. Uh, you know, sometimes you got to do some risky things every now and then oh, in your life. Okay, I'm just playing. Put your dreams in drive. Put your dreams in drive. <laughs> no, I, I honestly, I love, I love MBJ. He was my first love. So I think if I had to cuddle up, yeah, I would want to cuddle with um, with Killmonger, Eric, because, you know, I just want to play in his little dreadlocks, whatever he got going on in there. He just seems <laughs> like he seems like he would embrace the hug. You know, he, he obviously has some mommy issues or something, some daddy issues. We could talk about that. <laughs> cuddle up, rub his rub his head a little bit. Rub you know, his play scars. with his guns. You know, get a little bad boy. <laughs> Not the bad boy. <laughs> yes, Every good I, girl wants their bad boy. I think I would cuddle with uh, Killmonger and then, you know, fly dream drive with t'challa <laughs> oh okay <laughs> all right all right put your put your dreams and drive with t'challa but cuddle cuddle with killmonger i can definitely respect that I had, a, <laughs> I had a lot of votes for that one um obviously killmonger won and you know it was fun because i just put on there like you know i don't care who who votes for this because obviously you can see your, who votes for what right and i was just mm-hmm. like i don't care who votes for whatever like there's no judgment and i had like some of my fraternity brothers voting they're like nah killmonger i'll cuddle up with him any day versus t'challa or somebody else was like was like no t'challa's a faithful one whatever whatever so that's hilarious most of my voters said killmonger it was like 75 percent of them um so how how are you doing on time by the way um yeah i'm good i actually have uh, another call around 8 10 8 okay. 15 so so um just um the last segment that i want to talk about today is it goes down in the dm episode nine um one of my guests he gave me his phone because i asked him like how does this how how, how do your dms look you know and mm-hmm. so um so he gave me his phone and i was like looking through it because he's like hey just look through the dm see whatever you find and talk about it so anyway how do your dms look like you're a inspirational person you're a motivator and you're a creative did anybody slide in there like trying to like get on some flirtations like yo let me take you out real quick whoop de, whoop de, whoop. no my dms are so dry like i'm like oh, yo dang. i'm cute i'm just not um <laughs> no, I, really, I really don't I think you know it's funny because I don't know I don't I just I don't really the most I get are people who like either want to connect with me or network I mean sometimes I'll get some like weird like it looks like people like you know how it's like those like weird like random people and I just don't accept it I just delete the request mm. but I I don't get like anybody like casually it's either it's either so 
out overtly like you're trying to right. slide in my DMs, I just delete it. Um, but I don't have any of those slide like, hey girl, none of that stuff. I get a lot of people who are like, oh my god, I love your podcast. Oh my god, thank you for what you're doing. Um, sometimes I have people who ask me outrageous things, and I'm just like, yo, I don't even know you. So it's more about like I think people not try to use me, but I think people like take the DMs too far where they don't even know me. Mm. Um, so that's where I get more like I have to cut the cord and be like, all right, I'm not even responding to this anymore. Right. Um, I don't get any like body trying to really slide into my DMs. I have a vanilla, a vanilla um, Instagram. <laughs> it's not Neapolitan quite yet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I, I feel it. I mean, hey, there's you've obviously put yourself as a respectful individual and a motivator and, a, you know, in a sense of personality that maybe that's not really your avenue of DMs, which is perfectly fine Um, if that's really how, how you feel. I personally um think that this question is hilarious because you never know what you're going to get. Um, but as millennials, you know, DMs are everything and there's professional ways to slide in there. I've slid into people's DMs on so many professional type of ways and, um, and it works, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, we'll, we'll end it here. Thank you so much for being so open with us, Reina and everybody. No this... problem. This has been fun. I like it. I always am just able to like relax and chill and not have to be the nervous one when right. I'm doing it. When I'm being the one, when I'm the one getting interviewed. So thank you, Daniel, for having me on. This is really fun. No, but for real, like, um, after five minutes of talking to somebody, I'm usually like, you know, that just breaks the ice and I'm chilling, you know. But mm-hmm. yeah, th- this this was a lot of fun, and I really appreciate the fact that you are so open with with everything. Everybody, she is um, the the host of the Dreams and Drive podcast. One more time, give us your 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 social media handles so that people can follow you and they can, you know, put a face, a name. A face to the voice. Is that how it goes? Face to the voice. Yeah. yeah. So um, Dreams and Drive is the podcast uh, Instagram and social media where Dreams and Drive everywhere. And then if you want to check out my personal page, I'm trying to post more on my personal page, like more behind the scenes of me, what I am, what I do, all that stuff. It's um, Rain, R-A-I-N, Shine, S-H-I-N-E, Love, L-U-V. And I keep telling myself I should probably like, change it i've had this since like middle not middle school like high school so um i definitely since myspace days yeah so i definitely <laughs> uh, should probably no myspace i was making mommy <laughs> oh not the making mommy <laughs> i was the making mommy yeah so um that's like let my... me wine for you one time <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's hilarious yeah no um for sure you guys everybody follow her go listen to her podcast leave her a pop in review because she obviously deserves it she does she does everything for herself and and i really appreciate that um and if you guys feel so inclined get yourself some dreams and drive gear plot twist Mm -hmm. podcast gear is soon to come by the way as well but you know let's shine some light on dreams and drive tonight thank you yeah 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 no doubt and thank you so much again um but this is the plot twist podcast again thank you guys for tuning in